Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube then you'll be able to see me sat here. If I look away or appear to be looking away from the camera that is because I have a couple of sets of notes around so just to make sure I've got all of the content in. If you're listening to the podcast obviously you won't get that problem and you won't be able to see me looking away but today we are going to talk about change following on from the podcast our last podcast where we talked about change. Now change can come in a variety of formats. It might be that you are a leader at work and you are having to implement change. It might be you are the boss of an organization and have decided to make a change. It might be that you're a parent and you are looking at a change in the routine of your children, or perhaps you're in a relationship breakdown, or perhaps you're going through some sort of change yourself and you're finding it a little bit difficult to deal with. There is a whole variety of change. It's all around us all of the time. It can be as simple as standing on the platform, waiting for a train and the train being cancelled, which means that you're going to be late for work. So what happens there is there's a change in your circumstances at very short notice. And sometimes some of us give an emotional response to that. Some of you, I get it, would be able to stand there as the train gets cancelled and go, that's okay, I can get another one. But the majority of us, I believe, perhaps this is just me, but I believe there are other people just like me in the world who will go, ah, I'm going to be late for work, or ah, I'm going to be late for a meeting, or ah, this really shouldn't be happening to me today, not of all days. And it will send our brain into a slightly emotional spiral. So why does this happen? Now, if you are listening and you want to follow along to what I'm going to explain, just have a look at the Kubler-Ross grief cycle. That's K-U-B-L-E-R, Ross, R-O-S-S, grief cycle, because we're going to have a look at that as we're going through this conversation. And the reason that I have chosen the Kubler-Ross grief cycle, because for me, it explains quite a lot of not just what happens when we're in grief, which is a huge change, a huge loss, obviously, but also what can happen in a very short period of time, depending on the change. Now, we talked about the train not arriving. So just imagine all of those emotions that you go through very quickly from possibly, well, that's not going to happen because I get this train all the time and this is part of my routine, to what do you mean the train isn't coming today at this time? I need to get to a meeting. Two, okay, I'm going to go and speak to the uh, ticket conductor and see if I can use my ticket on another train. And then we go into the, I can't believe this is happening to me. Why is this happening to me? This day is just a complete disaster. And then we just go, okay, right, I'm going to get another train. So that's a really simplistic way that our brain deals with emotion in a very quick time frame. It won't be conscious. It'll be totally unconscious and you'll just go through it. So let's look at a different example. And I'm going to use one from my hostage and crisis negotiation experience. I'll use one from a family experience as well. So I'd just like you to imagine the scene that it's late on a Friday night and Jim, let's call him Jim, has been out for a drink with his friends and he is quite drunk. And he goes home and on his way home, he gets a phone call from one of his mates who says, Jim, I'm really sorry to tell you this. I think your wife has been having an affair. So Jim is quite upset now. He's had quite a few to drink and he's thinking, well, this isn't right. I need to go and find out if this is right. It's one o'clock in the morning by now, by the time he gets home. 
So he goes home, he slams open the door, his wife hears him, comes to the top of the stairs and says, hey, Jim, what's the matter? Why are you slamming the door? The kids are all asleep. And he says, are you having an affair? And she's like, no, I'm not having an affair. But Jim now believes his friend. He's not sure about his wife for whatever reason. And so he is starting to go through an emotional process of who do I believe? Who do I not believe? What is right in my world? And as he goes through that process, his behavior and his communication changes so much so that the disturbance he is making at one o'clock in the morning uh, causes such concern for his neighbors that they phone the police. So the police come wrong round and imagine Jim's surprise when there's a knock at the door. He opens the door and there's two officers standing there. His immediate reaction is to slam the door in their faces. And they're like, Jim, open the door. We've had a call from the neighbours about a disturbance. Open the door, open the door. He's like, no, nobody's coming in here. Nobody's leaving. This is my house. I'll do what I want. There's no way that you're coming in. You shouldn't even be here. Why are you here? This is a family dispute. Nothing to do with the police. He is in what we would call a denial stage. He is confused about what he's being told, why he's being told it, when in his mind, this is just a family argument. So the police knock on the door, by which time Jim is starting to get angry. And he's shouting at them now. And he's like, go away. Why are you here? I don't want you here. You shouldn't be here. This isn't police business. This has got nothing to do with you. My wife's having an affair and so on. But he's so angry, he starts to barricade the front door because the police are knocking on the door and trying to get in and he doesn't want any of it. So he's really angry. So the police are now starting to negotiate with him. They're like, Jim, you've got to come out of there. You need to be arrested. We need to check everybody's okay inside the premises. He's like, why do I need to be arrested? I haven't done anything wrong. I'm in my own home. Everybody's safe. Well, let us come in. Then we will be able to see that and then we can go. So Jim is not having any of this, but he is willing to bargain because he just wants to be left alone. He's like, are you sure if you come in? Are you sure if you come in, you'll just have a look around and leave? And the police are like, yeah, yeah, we'll just do that. We'll just look around and leave. He's like, no, no, you're not coming in. So he goes back to being angry. He just goes back to that whole, why are they here? Back to denial. And then finally, at some stage, it might be many hours later, he finally accepts the situation for what it is. Perhaps the drink has worn off a little bit. He's thinking more rationally. And so he opens the door and speaks to the police. Now, that is an example of the Kubler-Ross grief cycle working in change. You see it often in crisis negotiation where people are going for a thought process. And many times when you implement change at work, you will see this and change in relationships. So the Kubler-Ross grief cycle was um, established by a lady who used to work with cancer patients. And she found that when they were given news that they didn't have long to live, they went through this cycle. And she's written a whole book all around this. And then they started to develop the theory a little bit and have a look at how it works in change. When people are told that they're going to change, they don't necessarily want to change and the impact that that has on them. Now, I'm going to use an example that happened in my life with my now 15-year-old, she was 10 at the time, and it was Christmas Day, and I had promised that we would watch a Christmas Day film in the evening when we'd had dinner. But of course, you know what adults are like on Christmas Day, wine starts to flow, conversation starts to move forward, and we were chatting, and before I knew it, time had disappeared, and it was 10 o'clock at night, and it was time for her bedtime. And I explained this to her and I said, I'm really sorry, honey. I don't think we're going to be able to, well, we're not going to be able to watch the film now because it's too late. And so she was angry. 
she was like, but you promised, well, you promised that we could watch the film. You promised that I could stay up and watch the film after dinner. I was like, yeah, I know. So she was in denial. Then she um, stamped her foot. Her bottom lip came out a little bit like that. Um, a 10-year-old having an emotional strop, let's call it, on Christmas Day. And then she went to bargaining. How about we watch half the film now and we watch the other half tomorrow? I was like, I'm really sorry. It's too late. I'm sorry. We, could, we can't do that now. So then we went into tears and then we went into acceptance and off she went to bed. And this literally all happened in a matter of about 30 seconds. Now, the reason I'm explaining this to you today is because if you don't know about it, how it helps, I believe, is that when you look at the Kubler-Ross cycle is you can see yourself in a specific situation or a specific moment in the cycle. Now, the cycle doesn't go all the way around. So you don't go denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance straight away. Well, you might do, but some people won't. Some people will go denial, anger, anger, bargaining back to anger, depression, bargaining, anger. So you see you move around the cycle quite a lot until you come to that acceptance. And if you don't ever reach that acceptance, what happens is it eats away at you. The anger burns, the jealousy rages, the um, insecurities continue throughout your life until you come to that acceptance about that situation, whatever that situation is for you. So when you have a look at it and you think, actually, I'm here, what it does is it just helps you to understand that it's OK. It's OK to feel this way. It's OK to be angry. It's okay to be in denial. It's okay to go through the bargaining process. And when you're leading change, if the change is instigated by you, just be mindful that this is what happens to human beings. And you might also give an emotional reaction when they push back against the idea of change for whatever reason. Generally, it's because we have a fear, a fear of looking stupid, a fear of being found out, a fear of can I deal with change, a fear of I don't feel in control. And that fear generates the emotional brain to take over. And when we're in emotional brain, we communicate and behave in a very different way than we do when we're in our logical brain. So it might be that you're challenged on your change and somebody pushes back on it. And that then creates an emotional response in you. So just think about how you are communicating that what you believe is the right thing to do. I have a system called the four P's, which talks about how you can uh, recognize and plan for difficult conversations. So the first P is that you have a, a purpose. What is your goal? What do you want to achieve from that conversation? The second P is looking at the world from other people's perspectives. The third P is that you have a plan. And the fourth P is that you practice. And those four P's stem from everything I learned as a hostage and crisis negotiator and everything I use in my day-to-day -day running of free businesses, employing 11 local people and also with my customers and with my family, especially my 15-year-old. So these skills work. If you want to know more, then come and visit me at www.thecommunicationcoach.com co.uk or if I can help in any way just send me an email to info at the communicationcoach.co.uk I hope you found this video or podcast helpful and if there's any topic that you would like me to cover at any stage then pre please just let me know